Two significant changes in radio announced yesterday, one that made a few headlines, but another that didn't. Yeah, that's right. The first one was MediaWorks announcing it's going to launch a new talk radio network early in 2022, and it's hired News Hub's political editor, Tobe O'Brien, for a new show, which will certainly shake things up in the morning. That'll have implications, of course, also for News Hub and TB3's political coverage. She's their political editor leading their team right now. Um, and then the second thing that happened this week was the same day, the arrivals at NZME, which owns the News Talk ZB talk radio network, um, announced its chief of radio, Wendy Palmer, uh, will be stepping down from her executive role and she'll be replaced by uh, the guy who's currently the head of talk. Effectively, he runs um, News Talk ZB, Jason Wynn-Stanley. So I guess it's a behind-the-scenes move, that one. Um, understandable, it didn't make the headlines that you get with a TV personality like Tobe O'Brien, but still a, a significant move. With the MediaWorks announcement, the marketplace is obviously going to get even more crowded, but what's your take on this new talk radio network? Yeah, I think it's really interesting. So we know that Magic Talk has had its troubles, and uh, we've talked about that quite a bit uh, through the years. So the new boss there, Cam Wallace, took over, formerly in Air New Zealand, chief executive. They've had that culture review um, that also made a lot of headlines, and uh, that took into account three years of the company, a lot of bad headlines coming out of that. So this is really a business that's changed a lot of its on-air talent at Magic Talk has moved on. Uh, so that, I guess, will go to another level because we assume they're going to rebrand that network as something new. Um, but yeah, certainly a, a Tova O'Brien-hosted breakfast program, that's going to add to the mix in the morning because, as you say, it'll get a bit crowded with, um, you've got your News Talk ZB, RNZ National, all doing news programs, the AM show currently simulcast on the Magic Talk uh, network that will be replaced on this new network so effectively you know four shows where there were three and the media will very much focus on the commercial end of this you know Tova O'Brien versus Mike Hosking a head-to-head battle but you know I think it, it's a bit more than that because um, what's interesting is because MediaWorks has had to reinvent itself because it's split off from its former TV3 element the parts now owned by Discovery um, you know, the big global company, I think they've realised that, you know, you actually have to have a credible news service as part of your operation if you are if you want to be taken seriously by the audience as a broadcaster. So, you know, they're now having to build their own newsroom effectively from scratch and a, and a whole parallel operation. So I think it's a good thing in the end. Mm, from scratch, though, they had a very robust newsroom uh, within the Radio Live network. Uh, yes, Yes, indeed, they did. Yeah, and, and of course, if you go back even further, I mean, it used to be a TV company then bought up a radio operation. Um, so, in a sense, it's gone back to what it used to be. Um, but you know, it's it's good in a sense because we know that this Discovery company was shedding its reporters, closing that Dunedin bureau, and so on. So, if some of the people that uh, effectively um, might lose jobs or some parts of the operation that uh, that won't be. Um, and nurtured, if you like, uh, get to move into an operation that wants to build something new, then hopefully that, that will be good. Well, COP26 is on at the moment. Uh, new Zealand media haven't sent reporters to Glasgow for understandable reasons, but how's the coverage of the early stages been? Oh, it's been good, seeing as it is just uh, the early stages. And um, I note, I should say that the uh, Europe correspondents of News Hub and TVNZ are both there. That's Lisette Raymer for News Hub, Daniel Faitawa for TVNZ. Um, but Rod Oram 
um, who has written a lot about the climate, really knows all about that issue. Uh, he's uh, there, and newsroom.co.nz, who is no longer with, actually, but they've hired him. They fundraised uh, to cover what they thought would be about $20,000 in cost to get him there. So he's been there, um, which I think is, is really good. So today he was reporting for them on that overnight news of the, the big global methane pledge, 100 countries, including uh, New Zealand. And he's also been um, knocking out podcasts uh, while he was there. So this is the one that um, popped up this morning. Here's a taste of it. It's a great pleasure to be sitting here with you in the Methane Moment Pavilion uh, on just as the um, um, delegates are about to meet to announce the um, uh, alliance and the number of signatories. Um, tell me why you think that this question of methane has gathered such a huge head of steam this year. It's such a pleasure to be here and especially as the global scientific community has coalesced around methane being the strongest lever. Yeah, so that was Rod Orham there talking to Sarah Smith of the Clean Air Task Force. Um, member. that's a, a group of large, I think, mostly UN agencies, and they erected the uh, Methane Moment Pavilion, um, which Rod was sitting in there, and he had a photograph of it on this uh, article on newsroom.co.nz. So really nice to hear that because uh, that person there, Sarah Smith from the task force, she was a tiny soundbite in Lisette Raymer's News Hub at Six package. But Rod talked to her for you know a good seven or eight minutes about you know this methane um, pledge that's been made and the importance of it, some of the details, how it was done. So I think getting quite a lot more out of someone like Rod going there than uh, just having reporters going there and doing the quick blast for the 6pm news. And more to come, obviously. Um, Good analysis of COVID that you'd like to highlight this week. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Quite a bit, actually. I'll try not to spend too much time running through it. Uh, But all of it I would urge people to go and have a look at. Um, Stuff Science correspondent Charlie Mitchell wrote an excellent background on anti-vax doctors and um, some media people. It's called uh, Why a Small Group of Doctors Opposes Vaccination. Uh, And that is a sort of follow-on to one he did where he went down the rabbit hole with the anti-vax groups on Facebook. Really enlightening if you're not inclined to do some of that stuff yourself. In the Weekend Herald, uh, Matt Nippett, investigative reporter, ploughed through thousands of pages of cabinet papers and some actual you know, live human beings uh, for um, a story called The Jab, the full inside story of New Zealand's vaccine rollout. Really, really illuminating. Uh, stuff's Tina Law uh, down in Christchurch. She went to Aranui, and this is a kind of follow-up story. She found a vaccine-hesitant woman uh, that the press had featured last month when they visited Aranui, which has got um, a low vaccination rate, who has now got vaccinated. So her story's called Why a Woman in One of New Zealand's Worst Vaccinated Areas Finally Got the Jab. So really good to have done that, because uh, I saw the original, and it did leave you wondering and kind of shaking your head um, at this particular woman, Ingrid, who was featured in the story. Um, RNZ Sarah Robson has completed a series on the impact of COVID on poverty and the inequalities that are becoming more stark and that's on the RNZ site and another one, um, Florence Kerr who's a stuff uh, national correspondent, Hamilton based at the Waikato Times uh, great story on uh, mistrust um, how mistrust shadows the rollout in a time of crisis so explaining on the ground just why some people are vaccine hesitant and uh, the reasons might be more and varied than you might think. Uh, Colin last week uh, Hayden talked about the pitfalls of reporting anti-vaxxers in the news but it's difficult not to when they uh, disrupt the PM for example in a press conference as happened in Northland yesterday. Yeah and again today um, in Hunterville and in Whanganui um, in fact one news in their report tonight, Benedict Collins said, you know, started with the words, the PM run out of town. Um, 
by these um, anti-vax protesters. So, yeah, yesterday was quite the first time. This was a guy called Shane, uh, it's either Chafin, Chafin, not sure how to pronounce his surname. He certainly got the oxygen of publicity by uh, barging to the front of the press conference and uh, over-talking uh, the accredited reporters there um, and, and punching out his questions. Uh, and, of course, that video was immediately put up by the media because it was quite novel, um, hadn't happened before. Both pro- and anti-vax people circulating it for their own reasons online. So I got my notification of this, by the way, from RNZ urging me to watch the encounter on uh, Facebook watch so i guess you know mark zuckerberg and co get a few dollars out of people clicking on that as well from from rnz but i guess the problem is you know in that vision you know jacinda ardern was seen calling a halt to the press conference saying look we'll move this inside away from this disruption for accredited media only Uh, and she was making the point to the guy you are disrupting these people the media's press conference but that i think only reinforces some of these conspiracists belief and conviction that she controls the media and um, and will shut down any situation where um, she thinks she'll get awkward questions. But but definitely a newsworthy event. Oh yeah, you can't you can't deny it. Say today two you know two consecutive events where the prime minister was hoping to speak and she couldn't because of people protesting. You simply can't ignore that. But it was like Hayden said last week. You know, don't just amplify the claims. You know, give the context. I think he called it the, the truth sandwich, where you, you you give people a fact. You have the the the, the um, you know highly contentious claim or whatever we want to call it from the person who's in denial about the truth and then reinforce the truth again and that sort of wasn't in one news's report tonight where they had vox pops for the crowd people claiming they had everyone in Hunterville on their side and so on and just leaving it at that so yeah I don't think um, Hayden would have liked it too much but I thought that um, Checkpoint got it right uh, framing this is yesterday uh, for the one in Kawakawa this is how they um, introduced uh, it for Checkpoint yesterday. That's the region where the Prime Minister took her vaccine push today in an area lagging behind in vaccination rates. But her media conference in Northland was derailed by a man claiming to be a journalist making bogus claims about the vaccine. Mm. So, and on the website, they had no qualms about calling him a conspiracy theorist on the checkpoint page. So it was actually really good, though, that... Uh, political reporters and social media users uh, later identified that guy who claimed to be both a journalist and a medical professional as Shane Chafin. And um, he contributes to the the Steve Bannon-sponsored online outlet Counterspin, you know, which is pretty much dedicated to stoking up the culture wars and sharing disinformation about COVID. So uh, particularly um, Henry Cook, I saw on his Twitter feed, Henry Cook of Stuff, uh, he debunked all three key claims that were shouted out by Shane Chafin. Um, and it just goes to show that you know political reporters have actually asked the questions about the things that he claimed uh, in disrupting the press conference that the media were shying away from. And Henry was able to show with little transcripts and sign, look, these things, they have been asked. You know, this is this is misinformation that's being put out by someone who's who's really disrupting things for his own purposes. And on ZB, uh, many of us will have, uh, we would have seen, first of all, the article that Liz Gunn was talking about, the pr- uh, former media presenter and newsreader Liz Gunn. And then she got put on air on ZB, I believe. Yes, this was the same day that Hayden and yourself talked about it briefly last week. Turns out earlier in the day, Liz Gunn had actually phoned in to News Talk ZB. And she began by telling the host, Heather Duplessy Allen, I-, I want to read out a statement. And she started reading a 
kind of long-winded, rambly statement. And halfway through, she ran out of steam and said, oh, do you know what? I've got the wrong one here and got all flustered. And it was very untidy. But, I mean, it's a real red flag, isn't it? Someone phones in, shouldn't put them on air like that, really. When they say they want to read a statement, you know, that's grandstanding. And that that is a real danger. And intriguingly... Um, a couple of days later, uh, one of the regular hosts on that same ZB show is Jamie Mackay of NZME's rural show, The Country. And he said that he was actually bumped from his regular slot. He had a bit of a joshing with um, Heather Duplessy-Allen about not getting a slot because Liz, <laughs> Liz Gunn phoned in and took it from him on the day. But then he spoke to um, Heather Duplessy-Allen about this highly... Um, controversial Groundswell 2 protest that's scheduled for the 21st of November. And what he had to say really, um, I, I pricked up my ears. Have a listen. They've chosen a Sunday, Heather. It's good for News Talks at be our station because they're going to drive into town and their tractors and utes and they're going to roll down the windows and play a pre-recorded message on News Talks at be uh, for 90 seconds and then stand there in, in solidarity. Okay. Yeah, so that sounds odd to me, doesn't it? It's another case of it's just a coincidence, I guess, but someone you know, using the media as a bit of a megaphone to, to air their own statement. This is something I think the media should be really, really wary of. Well, are they buying a slot? Yeah, it sounds like they are. At first, it, it sounded to me like they were going to broadcast the whole thing live, which would be odd. It's happening on a Sunday when ZB is usually wall-to-wall sport during the afternoon. But I think, um, I haven't got the full facts on this, but I made a call down to the um, the country's office, and it sounds like uh, it's something that's being handled by the commercial side, but the organisers of Groundswell have, have possibly bought a slot so that, I guess, people on their protest can hear at the agreed time this, this basically add this commercial message or whatever that they have um, from the, the organisers of Groundswell. But yeah, 90 seconds, quite a long time on the radio. So it'd be interesting to hear that and to see how this will all play out because, you know, some places will still have restrictions. They've just had record farm prices. I think it could be highly controversial this time round um, if um, if this protest ends up being a bit disruptive or even, you know, um, encouraging people to break rules in parts of the country, um, seeing as, you know, there's a pandemic on and all that. And all that. Mm. And curious I was to see, Colin, that uh, you have on your list Iron Maiden frontman <laughs> Bruce Dickinson. What's he been up to? That's right. He's got a podcast. I mean, everyone's got a podcast now, don't they? Uh, but he's now got a podcast with an Oxford University philosophy professor. Well, it's a podcast all about uh, philosophy and the evolution of human thought. And for the debut episode out this week, they zeroed in on um, the meaning of why is 666 the number of the beast? We're going to find out what it really means. I've been singing about it for years, but I've always wondered, is there more to it than uh, the Omen 1, the Omen 2, and finding somebody with a wobbly birthmark in their hairline? (laughs) Well, I think we're going to find out now. Shall we get him on? Yeah. I've been singing about it for years. <laughs> he has. Well, I guess he has. I'm no Iron Maiden scholar, I have to admit. But they then got on a genuine scholar. This is uh, Stephen J. Friesen from the University of Texas, author of that bestseller, Imperial Cults and the Apocalypse of John, Reading Revelation in the Ruins. And uh, it's a very complicated story, actually, why 666 is regarded as the number of the beast. But it turns out it might actually be a typo, uh, long story short. could actually be 616. <laughs> so you say you know Iron Maiden scholar, but do you like a bit of Maiden, Colin? Nah, I'm not not that not the long hair, tight trouser, falsetto, <laughs> endless guitar solo. I'm a bit more punk rock me, and um, or a bit of psychedelics, but nah, not not the heavy metal. Oh well, then just for you, we're going to play this. So hey, thank you.
Thanks very much. You've got to listen to this now. Will do. Okay. I was kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't subject you to that at this hour of the night, Colin. Thank you very much. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. It's your show. You pick the music. Yeah, I have indeed. Thank you. I'm going for Crush. This is a a Wellington new little outfit. Uh, Charlotte Forrester from Womb is in this band, and this track is called Fantasy Fiction to take us to the top of the hour. You love me, I can tell I don't feel so well You You love me, I can tell I don't feel so well Feel so well You let the weather in A cold air stain called Fantasy Fiction and the band's called Crush and they're a three-piece from Puniki and that's our programme for tonight. Thank you very much to my guests this evening. Thanks to the production teams in Wellington and Auckland and of course thank to you, thanks to you for listening tonight. Back tomorrow. News is next.